Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, former Scotland back rower, Johnny Beattie and ex-France hooker, Benjamin Kayser. We've got loads to talk about again this week and another top guest coming on, but it was a stressful week for you last week. Benji, has it got any easier? Is the, is the chain smoking removal man sorted everything out for you? I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say for Johnny, come on, uh, more important things <laughs> on the table, but no, listen, True. I, I, the only reason why I'm speaking to you guys today is because I want to justify the fact that I'm in Oxford by showing you this paper board. You know, that means that you really made it. So I don't know if I'm going to get a diploma, but at least, you know, I've got, <laughs> I sat in front of the paper board. So for me, that's a victory, but no, no, gradually, gradually things are getting there, but still a lot of work ahead. A bit like the French team. <laughs> we'll come on to that in a minute. And Johnny, an equally busy week for you with the baby on the way in lockdown. Yeah, it's been great. Um, so missus was away in hospital for three days, which meant it was daddy gay daycare, daddy gay care, daddy daycare, <laughs> and absolute chaos for three days in the BT household. But it's been good fun, mate. It's good fun. Missus down at hospital again today. We're getting ever closer um, and looking forward to the next few weeks. Should be absolute carnage, but good fun. Well, fingers crossed for you both on the family front and the diploma front. But um, let's talk rugby. And you mentioned it already, Benji, the French squad. We, I think, sort of know now what's going on, but it's been a long process, hasn't it? There's been endless meetings. So I'm just going to pass the ball to you guys. Explain what the hell's been going on. I don't, I don't think there's been a week since myself and Johnny saying what a... What a a clusterfuck this whole thing has been and what a shame how much shame it puts onto international um, France on the international stage and when just when you think it can't get even worse <laughs> then their threat the, the league ended up by threatening of not releasing the players I mean as if they, what, the, the players are Muppets and they, they're controlled by the big hand of the league who will say no you go not, not go for the biggest pride in your career which is to represent your country I thought that was completely out of order it, it really is not the type of negotiation that grown-ups that all mixed with the election whatever should have had from the start like we said with Johnny behind closed doors just sit all the big dogs around the table sort out a solution rugby is 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 in pieces economically so i have to understand we have to understand that the federation needs to understand the situation of the clubs because everybody is very very scared that in january there's just going to be uh, some big big trouble already coming so yes there needs to be some sort of work together the, the main problem was that added france wales friendly game before the last six nations game that needs to be played everybody agrees on that I think they did it, they planned it three months ago when they hoped, fingers crossed, if a little bit of crowd could be there. The situation is degrading both in England and in France. I don't think that's, that's happening. But oh well, now they finally came together and by some sort of miracle, they figured out a, solution, a situation. I just mean it highlights, underlines everything we've been saying. So we, we don't talk that much shit on, on the show that, <laughs> that they just do not work together. So imagine you're Charles Olivon right now 
you're concentrating to play a Challenge Cup final uh, tomorrow. You're the captain of this fantastic French team. And every week you're looking at your president. He's like, no, I'm not going to release you. And you're looking at the, at the league. The, the, the federation was definitely calling him. I mean, Fabien Galtier must have been chatting to him. How the hell do you concentrate with that when on top of that you get a Challenge Cup final to play? So these are the little things that we were trying to explain that are hard for people to not understand when you sit from outside and you just look at the French team play. These are the things that happen in the background that influence massively the performance on the team of the guys, whether they, they feel fulfilled in their everyday life or not. So remember the expression I used last week, le cul entre deux chaises, sitting between two chairs. That's precisely what it is. It's like, where am I? You know, the, the, the heartbreak of feeling that you're letting down your, your, your club because you have to play the Challenge Cup final and you have to sort of back your club in their fight for their survival. At the same time, if you're captain of the French team, uh, <laughs> you, you obviously want to back your president because you want to go. So very disappointing, very bad press. All that matters now that apparently they found the solution and let's hope it's a good one. And so Johnny, we fail for the players, but what is the solution and, and is it satisfactory? Yeah, so it's incredibly hard for the players. I think it also highlights as well. We've seen recently a lot of guys aged 27, 28, 29 retire from the French international team because clearly emotionally, it's a huge toil. Um, now everything's fully under the microscope. Obviously, we've seen in England this week some teams on furlough. I mean, the exact same situation in France. Everyone's trying to look after their own backs. The FFR needed six international games to fill up their stadiums and get some money in the coffers. Likewise, the LNR and all the clubs need that cash coming to the clubs as well. So like Benji touched on, there was the scenario where the Toulon president effectively said, I am not releasing the French captain for games, which is insane. Like, think about that in any other place. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, hopefully now, Fabian Galtier, I think, met with all of the, the clubs coaches yesterday and this morning they seem to have thrashed out some sort of deal and um, whereas it looks like the FFR can still have the six games but the players can only I think we discussed before Benji that either three games or they can play a combined three totals of 80 minutes so the six games will get to go ahead but the players can only have a full participation in three times 80 minute blocks so I mean, it's not ideal. It means we're not going to see a fully strength um, French team for each one of these six games. But at the same time, you know, Fabian Galtier building, it means he's going to get to test some players that we haven't seen before. So it could actually be really interesting getting to see some new fresh faces on the block. So again, as Benji said, not flattering for French rugby, but glad that they've managed to thrash it out. We get to see all the internationals and we get to see these guys at the top of their game for three games and then get to go back to their clubs um, and be on top of the top 14. So it's a compromise. I mean, we've spent a lot of time in, in recent weeks talking about the politics of it. This is obviously a compromise that has been reached, but it, it's not great if you're the Autumn Nations Cup the organisers, everyone to do with that. You're not going to be looking no. at, upon this favourably, are you? Because you're not going to get the strongest France side. This has been the life of top 14 for the last 10 years. Huh? We, we call it the doublon. I don't know how you would say that, but the weekends where you play both international games and top 14 is still on. So yes, you, you need to sell the rights of, of TV for top 14 of a full 10-month season. That's what I understood later on, actually, by the way that the league see it. They fill in the gaps that other um, sport, especially football, which is big in France, uh, don't have so they cannot afford they talk about you know playing um boxing day sort of copying the the the, mm -hmm. the, the english example it's literally just filling holes that are left uh, by the broadcasters because football don't want them but it's a big opportunity to develop the sport so and, and to monetize it so in the same time they have to play those games but as a fan when i saw and i and i, and I played some toulouse clermont 
when there's 10 missing French internationals. I mean, that's when I wanted to see Sébastien Bézy play Morgan Parra at the time, That's or Antoine Dupont. That's when I wanted to see the Wesley Fofana play Max Medard. I mean, that's the exciting, exciting stuff that you want to see. You know, that's a Raka against Yuan Uge. You know, who's going to play for the French team? Well, they're facing each other. Let's have a look. That's the exciting bit, right? And then you always got denied these things because because it, it wasn't it wasn't right. And then you put a lot of pressure on on the clubs to actually find a solution to get um, players who are ready to play quick, fast, so they can't afford to lose either. So they were not. It's not a measure to push them to put on the field some young French players. It's a measure that pushes them to select the South African ex-international who's already fit like this and ready to go and just play a couple of games. Then so that's just a reflection of what's been happening in top 14 for a long, long time, which I think is one of, again, one of the reasons of why it's such a problem. And Benji, on that point with the doubles, the doublon, as they say here, obviously the top 14 used to be the top says, the top 16, it's now the top 14. As a Frenchman, I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you be keen to say, go to say a top 12? 100%. For it to be less games? 100%. But it's not, you're not even putting me on the spot. I've been screaming this for a long time, but nobody listens to me. That's the only 10. problem. Maybe not top 10, but I mean, and to, uh, to be 100% honest, if you remember, I actually sort of spoken to this about Philippe that we had, what, two weeks ago um, on the show, and he almost agrees. Like the fact, if you tell them it's a top 10, they know how tough top 14 is. Remember he said, listen, our goal is just to stay pro. But if we don't, we'll still build some players. Pro de deux is a fantastic um, a competition. There's Biritz in there. There's Perpignan in there. They were only French champions, what, 10 years ago. There's some fantastic teams in there that, that actually create a very exciting rugby in order to watch, to play and to develop players. So why not? I don't see any problem. Well, I play top six, uh, top says, so two pools of eight. Then when you qualify to a playoff play down, so, you know, so the play down was horrendous. Basically eight teams fighting for nothing apart from relegation. So it was really sad rugby. Playoff was quite exciting, except imagine for some whatever reason, the, the Stade Francais and the Toulouse at the time, one of them didn't make it. You would never see a, a game like that. Imagine, you would go through a season without seeing a Saracens Wasp, without seeing you know all the big rivalries that you want to see. That was a possibility. So we were all massively in favor of Poulunic, one, one group of, of teams. But, but now there's just too many games. Top 14, I was trying to say, we stick to precisely the same thing. And the federation added a game. <laughs> so in the, in the middle, the, the, the players are like, well, all right, awesome. <laughs> we already said there's too many games and now they're going to add it. The only thing that the lead did since they created the Poulunique was to add the barrage. So they actually added a game as well, sort of a, a fake quarterfinal. So I am 100% a believer that there's too many games. That it's going to be a heartbreak. I don't even know, want to try to think how you do it if you do want to reduce the number of teams. It's unbelievably unfair. Uh, I like the fact that teams like Lyon got promoted, that Bordeaux came back from nowhere, that Toulon were in second division 10 years ago or a little bit more than that. You know, so you needed these guys to come. To be totally honest, because they, they were... They, that, that's what one of the answers from the league was always that we need to spread rugby apart. Rugby was very much concentrated in the southwest of France between, let's say, Bordeaux, Biritz, and Toulouse, you know, that sort of bottom left corner, mm -hmm. that really is like the mother motherland of, of rugby. So they wanted to spread out, open it a little bit more. So you needed a bit more East, Lyon, fantastic. Big culture, Bourgoin and all that, but you still needed the big, big cities with the big money that, to, to do it. They wanted something Southeast, close between Marseille and Nice, Toulon, fantastic. Uh, they've got Bordeaux, they've got La Rochelle. Um, Vannes. Coming through Van, as well. Definitely, absolutely. Nevers, Nevers, Nevers is trying. Really yeah. 
So Lille at the moment, uh, at, at the time, about five years ago, was, was like the hot thing. They were really getting promoted, but then they had money problems and it was gone. Unfortunately, now everybody will tell you it's almost mission impossible to, to get promoted unless you have a super solid thing. So I would be massively in favor, maybe not top 10, that's a bit harsh, but top 12, which means you get rid of two teams and you get rid of the barrage, you win five dates, right? You win five dates which a is year, huge. which is, I, I actually did a consultation when I was in Clermont. Um, I was sort of the link of the, the players association. And I went to see the boys like, how much cut would you accept for five games less a year? With those five games less a year, sorry, I give you two weeks more of, of holiday. One in the summer, one full week in, at Christmas, and then three less doublons. So you're still training, but there's less games. They were ready to go down to 10% roughly. What's the salary cap? Is it 11 million? Something like that? It's 11 or 12 million, I think, mm -hmm. per club. That's 1.2 million euros a year. You give that to the presidents now, then they'll be thinking about it seriously. Less games, less money. We need to find a solution. But the solution is there. It's just we're stuck in this thing where the, 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 the money is so high that they're... they're they got the knife under, the, uh, under their throat. Benji for president. I was going to say, maybe those in charge will be listening to this podcast. Maybe we can help them out. So um, we'll see. <laughs> you need that clipboard behind you when you present it. That'll, that'll take oh, them right true. over the edge. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, you mentioned teams that have come up from the second tier in France, Benji, and Racing not so long ago were, were in the Pro de Dirt. Absolutely. And this weekend, they're in the Champions Cup final. So we thought we'd get a man on who knows a thing or two about this Racing squad. It's former Racing back rower and defence coach Chris Marceau. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, team. Uh, thanks for having me, mate. Looking forward to it. Just talk us through, Chris, where you are at the moment, because you are, am I right in thinking you're down in Carcassonne on now? Yes, I'm um, uh, actually currently I'm doing some uh, consulting for Carcassonne. I don't know if uh, anyone knows Carcassonne. It's between uh, Narbonne and Toulouse. Yeah, I'm just doing helping out them, you know, for... For the rugby and, you know, give them my knowledge to, to help out young kids that they want to put on the blue jersey one day. And how does that compare Carcassonne, Pro de Deux, to, to where you were at before at Racing? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's different, you know. Um, everyone's talking about racing, you know, the facility, the training, centre training, everything up there, you know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of different um, Brotherhood is still professional rugby. I think the facility is the is still a lot of a lot of different. And obviously, Racing competing in the Champions Cup final this weekend. If they if they win, you'll have played a massive part in that that success. You were the defence coach earlier on this European season, even though we're in a new top fourteen season. So, <laughs> I mean, first of all, 
if they win, are you getting a medal? That's what I want to know. Are you getting a medal? <laughs> uh, hey, look, um, you know, like, uh, you know, with all this uh, pandemic, you know, it's it's bizarre time, but, you know, um, I'm so happy with uh, the racing boys. You know, they reached uh, the final with all this uh, pandemic going on. I don't get, you know, I don't mind if I get a medal or not, but, you know, I'm so happy that they're in the final and uh, they got one more step to to prove that they're the best uh, team in Europe. And do you think they are, Chris? Like, obviously, they've lost a couple of finals to Saracens, to Leinster. You've been part of the coaching group. They've come a long way and they've been consistent for a couple of years. But do you think they've learned a few lessons and they've got a better shot this year than they have in years past? Oh, of course. Uh, definitely. Uh, they've been two finals. You're always going to learn from your mistake. But, um, you know, they're definitely in favour, you know, racing. But, uh you know, the boys, I'm sure the boys have prepared themselves well and uh, they're looking forward to it. And just talk us through how your time at the club came to an end. Because I think you went public, didn't you, and said you, you would have stayed for at least another year or so if they'd, have, if they'd have offered it. So was it all to do with the pandemic and finances? And just talk us through how it all unfolded for, for you personally. Yeah, I think, you know, I, you know they offered me a year and uh, one year plus one. But, you know, we had some uh, other interesting club that come on board, you know, with me. And, but, you know, I was really happy to to do one more year, you know, and learn as much as I can. Like, you know, from playing to coach is different, definitely different, you know. Uh, it's not the same thing. I'm sure Benji will agree with me when I used to play, I only watched the number eight, number seven, number six, you know, but now as a coach, you got to watch the whole uh, developer of the thing, you know, how system works, how they attack, you know. But I think it do with the, you know, the pandemic, you know, with uh, all the clubs, you know, all the presidents, not just for rugby, be honest. It's all over the world I do with finance and things like that but you know like like I said before some of the people ask me you know are you disappointed a little bit disappointed I didn't finish the season with them but at the end of the day we can't control what's happening in the world at the moment all I can do now is uh, watching those and cheer the boys for Saturday that's like a testament of sort of Massey's way way of seeing life and seeing rugby that's you know through those questions you you, you sort of get what kind of what type of dude he is positive loves rugby full of passion and just wants to see the, the good side of life i mean what what really struck me so i was lucky enough to play one year with Massey in, in <laughs> cast is that you see this dude comes up you know you when you've worn the ab's jersey you know you've got you've got a legacy that comes with it you know there's one jersey but there's seven suitcases of heavy burden with it and and you've got a target on your back but all he did was just to be happy positive um mm. passionate he tried to share things and this and that so i know for a fact that you were you were hurt by by the way that that things ended up racing but he doesn't hold a grudge because all he wants is just move on keep on going you know get the boys to actually lift the title like they deserve or can deserve or whatever it is and i think honestly that's that's a testament of of, of who you are as a bloke who you were as a player but uh, it's also, I reckon, one of the reasons why you fitted so well into the French passion and to the French just sort of lifestyle in general, because you've got that attitude. Yeah, well, you know, you know me, uh, Benji, you know, I was lucky enough to to share one year with you in cast. Like I say, I'm really disappointed with the ending with racing on this, but I never hold crutch with anyone. You know, the best thing I learned about rugby, man, you make friends, you meet people. And also, you know, sometimes you make enemy in a... Uh, I never have any enemies, but I hope no one's. I uh, <laughs> hope, hope everyone likes me, you know, because I never hold the the crutch against anyone. It didn't look like it on the pitch that you didn't have any enemies, mate. You wanted to chop everybody's head off. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> it looks like you had plenty of enemies, mate. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
when it comes to putting on your boots and getting on the field, that means business. <laughs> but I'm talking about channel. When are we off? You know me, bro. If I saw you, I don't know, some random street or around a bar, I'd be like, Benji, let's go have a coffee over beer, you know? Uh, and, that's the, and that's the beauty of rugby, man. Like, you know, I'm blessed enough to know a lot of people, and especially in Europe. I know some good friends that, you know, helped me along the way and some good people, you know. Um, of course, you meet some, uh, you know, some people that hate you along the way. But like I said before, guys, you know, what's in front of you is important and what's behind you. And looking in front of you, mate, you've obviously made a heap of connections. You've obviously influenced people. You've led teams everywhere you've gone. You've been a leader. You've led from the front. Would you be open to move further afield now? Like, obviously, things are changing in France. Economically, it's a different picture for everybody over here. But would you, would you, for instance, get to the UK? Would you want to go back home? Or do you want to try and really crack it in France? Like, are you and the missus happy here and you want to stay specifically in France? Or would you move a little bit where that opportunity comes up? Hey, look, I, you know, this time is a panic for everyone. Uh, like I say, not just for rugby, man, it's for the whole world. Uh, for me, whatever the opportunity comes to give back what I've been passionate about for 19 years <laughs> as a professional rugby player, you know, whatever the opportunity comes, man, I'm going to take it with two hands and make the most of it. You know, like it's not maybe in France or in the UK or Japan, you know, even New Zealand, you know, where I started off. Um, but you know, like, you, like I say, Johnny, wherever the opportunity comes, man, I'm going to take it. And obviously you've ended up, you've taken one as a short stint, you're down in Carcassonne. So how different has it been? I know you're working with Christian Labitte. He's a real character as well. <laughs> a real character. Um, what's it like working with Christian? What's Carcassonne like as a team and environment? Obviously you've come from the highest level the whole way through your career with ABs, Cast, Toulon and Racing. How are you finding Pro Day Do? Be honest. I'm be honest, mate. I'm a little bit frustrating. Uh, you know me, I'm a little bit frustrated in the way they run things. But you know, coming from cars too long and racing, and you know, to get to Kakasan, it's just a little different. You know, it's the level is not the same. But one thing, like I always say, I'm staying positive. I don't want to be negative or you know, just be. But one thing I learn in Kakasan is potential. There's some kids here. You know, we're talking about a 21-year-old or 20, 22, you know, even 25 for me, that's young. I've been spending three months here now looking at those 10 guys, maybe eight guys that potentially they can play top forward in and maybe level of international. And that's something that, you know, I always uh, bribe myself to trying to give my experience back to those kids. You know, we've got some good loose forwards here, man. Some French guys are young. They want to learn. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a different level, Johnny, but... You know, like I say, you know, it's the positive side. It's always watching some kids that definitely can play top 14 and maybe for the international, for the for the French. And let's go back to your this, this sort of the start of your playing career, Chris, and talk a little bit about that because you mentioned New Zealand and you'd be open to going back there. But when you when you started, you were part of a really successful sort of hurricane side in, in particular with the likes of Tanner and Mangus. So just talk about that time kind of coming through and you, your time in, in Super Rugby. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, I started off for my whole family a boxing career. Uh, you know, uh, rugby, is. Uh, I only started late. You know, uh, we're talking about 14, 15 years old. But, you know, the mentality I've got at was boxing from my father. And, you know, yeah, like the time I have in New Zealand, you know, Wellington and Taranaki, you know, where all start, or Wanganui, that's where I went to school straight from Samoa. And that's, and that's the opportunity I got, you know, to leave the island. And, and uh, you know, as soon as you get those sort of opportunity, you're going to take it with uh, both hands. Like Johnny asked me before, 
if any other team would want me outside in France, of course I will. But the time I had in New Zealand was amazing, man. Like I learned a lot from uh, guys like Tana, you know, and I was lucky enough uh, to play, you know, one season with Christian Cullen and Jonah, you know, the big fellow, rest in peace. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot, you know, I, I make some some good decision and some bad decisions through my career, but definitely, uh, you know, helped me, helped me to get where I am now. So the next step, Massey, was when you came over. So at what point you obviously went through and progressed, you got 20 caps for the All Blacks, phenomenal experience, World Cups, incredible ride. But when you got to the tipping point and you decided to come over and move to France, what was your decision process? Who did you talk to after that offer from Cast came in? And how did it come about, the move, the actual move, how did it happen? Um, yeah, I took a few people, you know, my partner at the time, that was my wife, and talked to, you know, a few of the other people that helped me along my career in New Zealand. Uh, you know, it's not, it wasn't an easy, uh, wasn't an easy decision to make, to be honest, Johnny, especially we had a meeting with, uh, all black coaches after when they find out I'm looking overseas, you know, with, uh, Wayne Smith and, uh, Graham Henry and Steve, you know, like, and I think, you know, we wouldn't make the, the right decision for me and for my family. And a lot of people ask me when I go back to New Zealand, did you ever regret it living early? Uh, and I say, no, I didn't. You know, I was uh, fortunate and I was like, you know, it was an honour to play to play for All Blacks. And, you know, it's time to to move on to the next chapter of my life. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I never, never regret it. Is it fair to say that one of the reasons why... You, I think the, the last, your last game is that the quarterfinal against France in 2007 with the ABs. Yes. So, <laughs> so like tough. No, but no, but honestly, like jokes aside, like a tough, tough moment where there was a lot of brain. I remember I was playing in Leicester at the time, and there was Aaron Major who was there. He's like, he can't, you yeah. can't understand the earthquake that that was for New Zealand. Like everything was back on the table, and they were thinking, how can we, keep, we can be the best the whole time? We just can't deliver and stuff. So that's what I touched at when I mentioned. The fact of when you're the ABs, you've got sort of luggages of stress. And I remember you and yeah. I spoke about it a lot. You said wearing the AB, the, the black jersey was like the pride of your life. Okay. Yeah. But bloody hell, there's a lot of pressure. Um, and it, at some point, it's almost like suffocating. And that's what you like so much about coming to France. So is that one of the reasons you just wanted to get away from that? Enjoy your rugby for what it is? I think it is. Yeah, to be honest, uh, Benji, it is one of the reasons. You know, like you said before, the rugby is the only thing New Zealand got. You know, wearing the black jersey, it's not just wearing a black jersey, you wear the whole New Zealand country and your family. You're pretty much, you let down your family and, and the country. And it's like, like you say, man, it's a lot of pressure to come with that black jersey. Like people think it's just only the black jersey, but it's actually, it's a lot of responsibility to come with it. And yeah, it's definitely one of the reasons, man, because, you know, sometimes how are you going to handle pressure? We're talking about that in ABs and even the hurricanes, you know, in the rugby, you know, we've got to, Look after that sort of side, you know, because sometimes when a pressure comes, a lot of young kids can't deal with it. But yeah, it's definitely that. And also, you know, been in France in 2007, you know, spending three weeks in Marseille, and, <laughs> you know, came in 2006, you know, with the ABs and in Lyon. And I was like, man, this is a pretty nice side of the world to live. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the, the ABs in 2007, they went on a training camp. Tell me if I'm wrong, in Corsica. And oh. every single all black player of that, that generation tells you about that trip, about Marseille and Corsica. That, listen, it's the most beautiful spot we've ever been in the world. We need to move there. So, and then 10 of them ended up moving. That's true. That's definitely <laughs> true. 100% true. We went to Corsica for a week. And probably that's why we're in love with France too, because we find out Corsica is actually part of France. 
Oh, well, I, well, it's not too bad then. Yeah. Obviously, mate, you didn't sign for Corsica when you came over. You signed for Cast, <laughs> which is really different. Not the same. <laughs> it's not at all the same. So how did it go? Like the move coming over and signing for Cast, what were your first impressions? Because it's a really, it's, obviously it's a small town. It's like 35,000 people. There's nothing going on, but it's an yeah. awesome club. I love my time there. I know you did too. Yeah. So what was it like coming from New Zealand, culture-wise, rugby-wise, landing in Cast with Gemma? Um, how did you find it? What were your impressions and, and what did you like about the club? Do you, do you, do you want to honestly answer? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, it, was the, it was a shock. I decided to play the ITM for Wellington. We lost to Canterbury in the finals. Remember, Richie was playing and I was marking Richie. I was like, this is my last chance to give it to the captain of the All Blacks, you know. But it was a little bit of a shock to me, not just the, the city-wise, I enjoy it like family to me, but, you know, the, the way we're doing uh, running the game, the rugby and, you know, things like that, that's probably the most frustrating and the shock thing to me. Uh, but, you know, like I say, every every day, uh, ring people back in New Zealand, even though he's talking to Colin Cooper, you probably know who he was the head coach of the Hurricanes at the time, uh, and the CEO of Wellington, Craig Peters, and now is the CEO of the league. You know, I keep ringing those guys, hey, what should I do? Um, they say, hey, look, there's always a contract here for you. If you want to come back, we always want to have you back. But I made the decision, you know, to move over, and I stick with my kids and it out and like I said before you know when you come to France you can't change what you know you know from New Zealand to bring you to France it's never going to work I experienced that for 10 years in France and that's my message I passed to those kids who came over like when in France you got to do what's best for the team and do what's best for you but uh, yeah no it was uh, definitely a shock Johnny but you know hey Look where I am now, back in Carcassonne. It's not far from where I start. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it, you know, but, you know, I learned a lot. It actually made me a better person and uh, create that leadership to me because I took a lot of responsibility in cast. And just talk us through a little bit the differences in kind of coaching in particular, because it, obviously it's a culture shock off the pitch and, and on the pitch. But we had uh, Joe Rockathoko on and he was saying that yeah. some of the coaching when he arrived in France he almost took back to his sort of under 20, under 18 days. So, I mean, like we've had it, we've heard it already kind of. Give it on what French coach is. Oh, oh, let me I arrive and Benji know this, Kaiser probably know Alan, is it Alan Coach? Yeah. Yeah, he coached Cars when they won at 93. I wrapped up at training and was snow because I arrived in November. And it was snowing and I was like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> anyway, I was like, cover it all up. But the thing is, frustrating me, we had the team in that year. We had Carl Hoff, we had Kevin Senior, we had uh, McIntyre, you know, Cameron, we had Brett Fleming, we had, you know, we had some actually player. And then I got there and then I was like, we, I think we're on 13, I think, on the top of the table. <laughs> and then I ring my manager straight away and say, um, what's going on? You don't hear that it's 14 go down second division? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you got that right. And I was like, ah, hold on. I'm not going to sign and play for <laughs> like second division or the rest of my career. He's like, no, no, we've got the cause. And I was like, hold on. Anyway, as your question right there, first question I asked my first training team on Monday and to the boys. So boys, what's our game plan? At the time, we have the Ellen. We have, uh, who else we have as a backs coach? Uh, with Saracen now. Um, Mark and we have Jamie, the 
brave manager now. Jeremy Davidson. Yes. Anyway, my first question was asked on Monday training. I was like, boys, what's our game plan? What's our structure now, attacking and our defense and stuff? And then uh, I remember Hofty getting around to me and Kevin Senior. <laughs> Must, we don't have game plan, but you just get the ball and we follow you. <laughs> and that's pretty much what you did after that, huh? You just took the ball under that. I mean, you were for, for cast. That's why the people liked you so much. Is that you just played week in, week out. You just gave your passion and stuff. I remember we spoke to Stefan Armitage a couple of weeks ago, and you're a bit like him. Well, you guys are similar, basically, that your rugby just fits France so well. Uh, yeah. Physical dominance, aggressive in defense, very good over the ball. And you just love that stuff. So um, so that's why it fitted so well. That's why you sort of enjoyed it, right? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, like, I, it's not only when I left the New Zealand, uh, it's not only that France, um, you know, they always offer from Japan. But the reason I chose France, uh, to be honest, it was, I was still competitive. I still want to play competitive rugby. And also, like, watching, you know, the, the top 14 in Champions Cup, you know, the Heineken back in the times. You know, in my dream, before I hang on the boots, I always want to, you know, win the Heineken and win the top 14, you know, those sort of, and that's the reason, to be honest, mate, um, at the time, I still love to compete and, you know, top 14 is the best way to, to show that. And you obviously enjoyed your time in Cass, but then moving forwards, sort of four years, you moved to, to Toulon and Benji mentioned <laughs> Stefan Armitage. We, we spent quite a lot of time talking to Stefan about Murad Bujalal. So if I say Murad Bujalal <laughs> to you, what do you say? <laughs> you good mates, you good mates. <laughs> I might say good mates, you know, but hey, you know, everywhere I've been, and you know, I was lucky enough to experience uh, three president and uh, top 14. Uh, you know, they're all different, man. Like, like, like Benji was saying before, you know, sometimes when you when you have that much, you know, responsibility, it comes with uh, come with the pressure, man. You know, sometimes I like I never bad mouth anybody, but you know, I call Morat it's a hot cold guy. And it was uh, sometimes it's really cold and then sometimes it's hot, you know, like it, it's just the way it is. And you know, but you know, like every president of top fourteen or every club, they want they want objective, they wanna see where they wanna go. And for Morat, for him, I think his objective was to top fourteen and to win European champion, and I think he did that. <laughs> Benji, I don't hate me. I love you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the only club they do three in a row in uh, Champions Cup. Is that correct? Through that, I was wishing we were never going to speak about this because <laughs> Tim, Tim's saliva was already dribbling. You know, he's like, I can't wait to ask that question. Oh, I'm going to take the piss out of Ben again about Champions Cup. Enough with those Toulon fellas. I like if it, stop, just skip that. We're talking about France, we're talking about exotism. I'm going to retire from this show, honestly. If you keep <laughs> these Love things, it's, it's about enough. I'll tell you what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, sorry. Um, I was super happy to bump into Massey in Toulon. I didn't even know that he was there, whatever. And I went there to commentate um, the, the, the Toulon Challenge Cup uh, game. I met up with Ice Toyaba. We had lunch. It was awesome. And Massey was there just because he was between Carcassonne and Stavis. There's a place there. <laughs> this guy stayed precisely the same. Happy as Larry, positive, passionate, whatever. But I asked him, <laughs> are you going to apologize to me? He's like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, well, mate, are you going to apologize to me? He's like, well, well, he still doesn't get it. And he still hasn't apologized for beating me twice in the Champions Cup final. 2013, 2015. 
2013, it was just the, the luck of the bounce. 2015, we were beaten by. I, I will tell you that. Like, that's why I apologize to you. 2013, I apologize to you. But 2015, I ain't apologize yeah. to you. Did I? <laughs> and he bumped me off. And he bumped me off on that, that 2015 <laughs> final. A, a long kick. I played with him. He's my mate. And we speak to each other regularly and stuff. And there's a long kick. You know, you can pick anybody you want to go into contact. And he picks me. Bang. Sat on my ass. Do, do you know why I pick you? Because I love you. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, though, Massey, we were at an event two weeks ago in Paris with Chabal, and you were like, he still hasn't apologized to me for bashing you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Thank what you, you said. Me. You were like, he hasn't apologized to me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> see, Benji, what goes around comes around. Who's? Yeah, I see it. <laughs> we're not stitching you up, Benji, honestly. We're, we're yeah, not exactly. That whole Toulon team of 2013 to 15, we're going to get them all on and we're going to ask them, which one was your favourite, 2013 or 2015? Which one was your favourite? To me or PG? To you, well, I don't think you liked either of them. They're bullshit. They're bullshit to me. What are you talking about? Uh, I think my, my favourite one, I'll be honest, was 2000 and, uh, 2013. Um, I think that because uh, Clermont were a way better team than us, um, the reason I say this because they they deserve to win it, but the way we stick together, you know, the way the barbarians stick together, not too long, uh, <laughs> and come together and stay together as a boys, and uh, the belief that we had in those group of boys, um, I think that's probably the memorable for me, and also was the first one too, and uh, you know, you never forget your first one. And before we move away from too long, because I think we should do fairly shortly before Benji just drops <laughs> out of this call. <laughs> No, just he's, talk, all right. he's all right. Just talk us through. You, you mentioned the the sort of barbarians feel. It was a, a Galactico side at Toulon. So, like, there were some real characters there. But like, was that a natural kind of the dressing room and and the fit and kind of how you created that spirit, or how did it work? And who were who were the leaders, both you know, obviously on the field, but off the field, there were some real characters on on kind of you know nights out, whether it's bonding, whatever. So, talk us through some of the characters you had in that dressing room. Like the players we here, man. I can't, you know, the names are. But the one thing that I really enjoyed that group of guys for three years, the humility that comes with it, uh, that was the best thing I learned. Uh, boys that didn't think who's better than who, who's played more tests than All Blacks or South Africa or Australia or England. It's the matter of fact that we all on the same page, uh, you know, whether it be on the field, off the field, in the changing room or at training. Everyone's treat everyone the same. And I think that's the, the humility that the group had in 2013 to 15. That's the boys were like a two feet on the ground and and you can tell the result. Right? But yeah, we had some characters off the field and, uh, you know, there's a few boys that are in charge of, uh, you know, sorting out the bar and uh, sorting out a couple of beers after the game and a few boys on, are hey, in charge. Tell us who. You, you guys probably know this, uh, Benjamin know this. So always the boys that they love the, the drinking, you know. I think I'll probably see Stefan will probably the in charge of uh, social outside <laughs> rugby sort of ways. But hey, put it this way, it's a positive way because they get the boys come together. And actually that's the best way to know your teammate because uh, let's be honest, uh, when you give a, a 21 or 22 year old beer, three or four beers start uh, open up, you know, that's the that's the way you, that's where you find out your real teammate. You'll be like, oh Massey, man, I like you. And I was like, you've been quiet the whole week. Now you have three beers now you but you know, it's 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 quite a good way to to bond and to get to know your teammates and 
like you say, when you go to to the battle, make sure your teammates get your back. It's funny when when we had Stefan on, he he didn't tell us that he was the one leading the charge. He was like Castro Giovanni, <laughs> Drew Mitchell. He was throwing them under right. the bus. Uh, no, it was me more like uh, after the final, you know. But during the week, you know, some people got their own duty for it. <laughs> and mate, in terms of off the pitch. Obviously, you had Big Bernie, or Papa, as you called him. Big Bernie Laporte was leading the show. He was your head coach. He's now head of the FFR. What was your relationship like with him as your head coach? Um, yeah, pretty good. You know, was, uh, I was lucky enough to um, to be play under, be coached by him. wasn't a good memory because he was the coach of uh, the French in 2007. He always bring that up now. And probably that's the reason you bring that up, John. That's the reason I went to Toulon was him. He was hustling my agent at the time and bringing me. It was nothing to do with um, Puchala, you know, it was it's him that, that pushed that button to come down to Toulon. Yeah, I, I really had a good relationship with him. It's, it's a lot of people that, you know, saw him on TV. You know, like I would say, he's a, you know, he's a businessman, he's a politic man. But when you sit down face to face, have a have a red wine with him because he loves his red. He's actually a great man, you know, a lot of people charging people from watching TV and that when you actually sit down with a man nothing to do with politics nothing to do with business he's just chatting normal in life I was lucky you know fortunate enough to to know him and to play under his uh, coaching career so then we move on to racing which is bringing us full circle <laughs> to what we started talking about you mentioned you've you've played under under a few owners I know obviously you're going to have a better relationship with coaches than you were the owners but Jackie Lorenzetti any any kind of insight into what what he's like at racing Oh, he's a passionate man about the game. Uh, I don't know if he know any much about rugby, but <laughs> he loves that. Uh, you know him, uh, him and his wife. You know they're always there games. You know away, they're always together. Um, you know it's it's a different sort of guy. You know it's not like talk too much. You just come in the changing room, say hi. But you know when you lose a game at home that you're not expecting to lose, <laughs> like I said before, you know sometimes you got a little bit of got a little bit of fork and stuff. You know. <laughs> twisting around the rips and get the boys up. Um, you know, he's it's a lovely guy, passionate about the rugby. He does a lot for, you know, for racing. And, you know, from Brodeur now in the top 14, and it's now probably the world, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, if you guys agree with me. You know, like, uh, he's yeah. done pretty well. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's an awesome guy, man. Like, uh, and that's, like I say, he's a businessman. And, you know, when it comes to business, it means a lot. I know. I never actually asked you this question because I know you... you obviously a bit hurt about what happened at the end of racing, but never forget that in Castle was Laurent Travers, who was the Ford's coach. And then obviously <laughs> you went to Toulon, he was gutted to see you leave. And to, yeah. let's face it, when they signed you in racing, I mean, well, you were already, what, 35, 36, something like that. You were still crushing it every weekend, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it was still yeah. a sort of bit of a gamble to sign sort of 35, 36-year-old at the time. And that's Laurent Travers who did it. And then who also gave you uh, a gig as, as defense coach after. Do, yeah. you, do, did you like his way of... I, I, I know from, from a, my, my point of view, I don't think he was that much of an extraordinary actual coach, but he was a good manager. You know, he, he's yeah. good dealing with things in general and organizing boys and stuff. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, uh, Lolo, Toto uh, Javier, we call it Toto. Um, you know, he's actually organizing... His organization is one of the best organizations I ever involved with, planning, things like that. I think that one thing that... You know, you're really um, frustrating me and some of the boys that being or some of the good is that he, the trust that he doesn't have. Uh, if, you, if you guys understand that, he doesn't probably trust us more to, to do the work. 
you know, other than just trying to share that, you know, share that uh, global uh, knowledge of the game. And, you know, and it comes down to trust, man. Like, you know, he's probably the best uh, manager wise organization, but, you know, in the rugby sort of wise, you know, he's, he needs to, he needs to let it go and trust people that, you know, does, uh, does the work. And I think it comes down to that, you know, uh, I had him in cars for four years and then five years in racing again. You know, I hope he learned something because I think uh, when uh, France tour to New Zealand in 2017, I think, or 16, when they played those three tests, I took both Lolo and Toto back to New Zealand, you know, went to the Chiefs, uh, went to some club rugby in Ponsonby in Auckland. And, you know, he tried to share that and it's something that they learned from it and hopefully they learned something from me and I learned something from them too. You know, uh, and that's how rugby goes, man. You've got to share your knowledge and it doesn't hold the crutch against each other. You know, it's about sharing the game. It's not about us anymore. The people, sorry, Benji, me and you were over. It's about the new generation that comes through. For me, that's the most important. Um, to get those new kids coming through, they want to represent their country. And we talk about France, England, Scotland, or wherever in the world they want to represent their, their country. That's a great story that you, you've you shared that kind of New Zealand experience with them. And so I just want to ask, I suppose, a little bit about Lauren Labitte, because he was the other part of that coaching duo. So how did he differ from Lauren Trevere and, and, and what were his kind of, because they obviously worked incredibly well together. And also, are they, you've, you've worked with a lot of other French coaches. Are they typical of French coaches or are they a bit more open to kind of learning from what was going on in New Zealand? Yeah, I think uh, after being uh, involved with different culture, I think they starting to open up a little bit. Well, when I had him in cast, was more like, a, you know, sort of like a French coaching style. And then they trying to name me as a captain of the season. And I went like this, I can't even speak French, man, even English. Um, anyway, there was, <laughs> and, and they go, and they go, oh, no, no. And I say, look, if you're going to name me as a captain, I'm going to propose to you as like a leadership group. And Lolo and Toto and all that, oh, what's that? It's like senior players to help me because I can't do it by myself. I need people. And that, that's something they start for that's new to them. And I say, that's what we, you know, I, I don't want to change their whole style of coaching, but that was something I, because they want me as a captain, I was like, oh, this is my chance to put something in, you know, where I come from, see if they like it. And, you know, started from there, we're talking about 2011, and now they do it everywhere they go now, and they racing, they name six players to help the captains out. You know, we, they, they learn something, you know, definitely being in New Zealand. Uh, for me, Lolo Lapid is the, probably the, the the brain, the structure of rugby. You know, he is one of the, he's one of the best I've been involved with. You know, uh, uh, it's a lot of great coaches I've been in my career, but Lolo is definitely, he's, he's one of them. And uh, I'm talking about knowledge of rugby. He's uh, probably, he's quite detailed. And, and also you listen to, you know, he, share, he wants to learn too. He listens to the players. And I think having Dan too in racing for him was, uh, was a lot in, uh, of course, uh, the big Rog. He, he had those people around him and uh, it makes him a better coach too. And He's in the French team now. I hope he, he does really well for the French. I never knew that you took them to NZ. And we, we talk a lot about um, the, what's missing in French rugby. You know, sort of the question yeah. I get from all the, the Brits all the time is, what's happening with French rugby? Why is it not delivery? You know, what's going on? And I try to explain it's different. Bernard Laporte never, never taught you anything on the field. But he was a manager. He was a motivator. He was a sort of like, you know, like a guy who would, yeah. who would shake things up. 
But it's funny to say that, that you mentioned Laurent Travers was, is a fantastic manager in terms of organization, planning. Laurent Labitte is very good, again, in terms of listening, learning. Uh, how many French yeah. coaches have you know, toured New Zealand to actually learn from the best and to show that open-mindedness and, and to go out, think outside the box? Because never forget, Laurent Travers, Laurent Labitte started in Montauban. Montauban is exactly. like north of Toulouse. Out of nowhere, they took a club that was barely in second division to top 14 to be qualified for Champions Cup and almost beating Munster and Munster. So they were like the hot thing and they brought that strategy, that structure and this and that. Then they went to Castres. Castres was a sleeping sleeping town who were doing nothing and they just created something out of nowhere and yeah. obviously they got, they took them to the, to the top, to the title and then they went to racing, again racing, second division. It's a long-term investment from Jackie Lorenzetti. 20 years it took him to basically build this thing gradually. I mean, he had Pichot, Chabal, Lionel Nallet, all those Italian fellas. But then it's only when Toto and Lolo arrived there that they managed. So it's a really good point that you're making to say the solution might be just in more open-mindedness from the coaches, more yeah. structure and sort of, yeah, modern management. Yeah, I think like, for me, Benji, I was lucky enough to experience both culture in New Zealand and France. Uh, I think for me, I had a chat to Bernard, you know, sometimes when I was in Paris, I'll go to Marcusi and see him had a coffee. Not many people know that, but, you know, I, I'd be like, Bernard, you need to open up, you know, because Bernard is need to open up. You need to have some input from the outside. I know we're talking about the French player, but the French player now, the game has changed, you know. Of course, you need the French player, but you need structure, you need discipline, sort of thing, but you need the outside boys too, you know, to put in to help. You need and Sean Edwards. Start, yeah. <laughs> See, you start, no, no, you, you know, but sometimes you've got to, it's not going to change the whole thing straight away, you know. You're going to put one bit at a time, you know. And, you know, eventually I'm hoping, you know, for me, I'm hoping that the French, you know, the FFR and LNR come together as one. You know, that's my, that's my, you know, pray for them, like other men trying to compete together each other or, but, you know, they need to come together, man, to what, to do what's best for French rugby and special for young kids that they want to put on the blue jersey. 100%. Yeah, Bernard's obviously got your number, Chris. So if you if you need a if you need someone to do the defence coach job, and Sean's not there, he's he's got your number. But I was going yeah. to ask, Lauren Labitte clearly made a big impact on you, and there will have been other coaches back in New Zealand and throughout your career. But now you're coaching. What are the most important things to you, and what kind of coach are you? What kind of coach do you want to be? Have you can you pinpoint a couple of different things that you might have taken from different coaches throughout your career? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely um, still. Um, you know, one of my uh, the guys that um, get me going for the is probably Wayne Smith, uh, the, the great Wayne uh, Smitty. I think my coaching style of it is, is open. I, I don't want to be do this, do that, do this. That's it. Um, I think my I, was, I just finished the IRB coaching. I'm more like a from the other side of coaching side of it. I'm more like you know, I create something. I just started two weeks ago with Kakasan. I got four kids, Dax boys, to come and watch the video with me, how we're going to begin Scrum. And uh, it's new to them. And I say, look, we're going to discuss this. And one of you guys going to present it to the Dax. What are we going to come up? How are we going to defend? And they're like, oh, but it never happened in front of it. But I'm a different coach, okay? I'm here to help you. And I want you to help me too, you know. I think the coach I'm looking at is open mind. Whatever advice I can get, it's not just me telling. I think it's me just ask questions too for the for the players because at the end of the day, 
are not going to be on the field. They're the ones that have performed. You know, we give structure, we give game plan, but at the end of the day, I can't do anything because I'll be just sitting on a stand and they have to take responsibility and take those uh, those actions. Well, mate, they'll be lucky to have you. Let's be honest. You've done enough <laughs> on the pitch, so they're lucky to have you in that kind of respect. And you've obviously got heaps to to pass on to them and heaps to teach them. You obviously did a lot as well with Racing, but I was wondering if I could ask you, could you give us a little insight to this weekend, where the team is, their headspace, where they're at? You're obviously close to a lot of the boys. How are they feeling? Um, and what would your prediction be? What do you think the outcome is going to be of this weekend's game? Oh, tough one, Johnny. Um, I don't know if you guys know Dan Corsica. Apparently, Dan Corsica, they win after the Toulouse game to stay away from the corona. Jackie Lorezzi's house in Corsica is big enough to fit the whole freaking team. That's to tell you how big it is. Insane. Wait, did, I ever, did I ever, Masi, did I ever tell you this story that in 2007, so we win the top 14 with Stad and we end up going to Corsica and I meet up with a lot of old fellas that were there, Julian Arias, you know, the winger, and there was Gus Pichot, who I get along really well, who is actually the one who got me to sign in Leicester Tigers. And yeah. he's there on a holiday and he signed for racing um, that summer. And we're there at one point, he invites me to a, a barbecue. He says, yeah, come to this address, whatever. I rock up to this place. I'm like, bloody hell, this is a mansion. There's an helipad in the freaking villa. That's to tell you how big the place is. It's basically a villa with three houses. One is like Europe, the other one is Asia, the other one's Africa, because of the sort of the decoration and all that. And we get there, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, that's Jackie Lorenzetti's house, because um, I just said to him, when I, Gus is like that, he's a bit of a ballsy guy, We're like, yeah, I'll oh, sign yeah, if you lend me your house for a week. You know, it's just those cheeky things that you never nice. think of us, but he did. And, yeah. um, and he's got an helipad, so he can actually literally like fly down, ball. apparently he rocked up with an helicopter just to sign the contract, and then went away, yeah, you can keep the house for a week. I was like, boy. That's the life. Yeah, that's, it, it, it is. he's a big man, oh, Jackie, but... I don't think this is what Jackie's last chance of putting that because for the last five years I was there, that if Jackie wants that stars on the jersey. And that's why for me, this is racing is the favourite because, um, you know, they know it's a big club, big spending club. Exeter side of it is not a big spending club, but Exeter is more like a family, you know. Uh, when it comes to family, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard to break up, you know, but we're talking about racing here it's all about you know from big money big players but my questions asking for the boys this on saturday night are they got the collective you know are they all on the same page to win this and probably that's the million question jackie's going to ask for the boys because he threw all the boys down to Costa to prepare for this because he knows this is his chance to get that start he wants um, but it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's two players that can get racing to that stuff. Um, I, I think you boys will probably agree with me. It's probably Finn Russell and Remy Wakato. You know, those two probably the, the key of winning in, in uh, Bristol. But you can't have those two win the game if you're forward. Benji will know if your forward's done giving the ball. And that's the question. I'm sure they'll be proud for that, you know, if they have their the set piece is going and the front football going and I'm sure it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great game and I'm sure you know Remy and uh, Finn we're going to we're going to front up I was going to add exactly Masi I was going to add Kamisha and that and that and the, those two guys because yes. Exeter is so big up front yeah. yeah so powerful and there's going to be a psychological war because if Kamisha gets the best out of Luko and Dicky you, you know what it is huh? if the first contact if he drops him once 
if yeah. he smashes them one pick and go, their whole spirit will, will fall. I was there for the semifinal against Toulouse. When he taps and goes that penalty five meters out uh, in front of the post, 40 seconds before halftime, like I'm sure he had like sort of a laser at the back of his head from the coach, <laughs> you know, about yeah. to shoot him if he did. But the whole team just goes. So Camille yeah. will have a big, big, they've got a fantastic line out, Exeter. So he's going to have to throw well. They've got a fantastic scrum. He's going to have to lead the pack. And, he, and he's got a one-on-one -on -one battle with Cohen Dickey, which is massive. It's true. But you like, I think about like Exeter, they're built. They, I, I remember playing Exeter when I was too long. They're still the same manager, you know. It's that build, that confidence they got now. And also, like I said to you before, it's like a family, man. They know each other from inside out. And for me to have that, you know, individual, like, Individual can't be collective, man. Simple as that. You know, if, if you have everyone on the same page and you've got some X Factor and another team, but if you're not on the same page, those are X Factors mean nothing because, you know, collective is going to beat them. But, but it's going to be an interesting game, Johnny. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, we've got two French teams in, uh, in the final, Toulon and uh, Bristol. You know, it's, it's it's something that, you know, it's good for French rugby, you know, and I hope the LNR and their capacity that, you know, other than two going at each other, they need to come together because I don't know what's the last time France, a French club been in two final, you know, in Champions Cup. It's, it's good for French rugby and uh, I'm hoping that young kids, French kids that we're talking about, Benji, will watch that and they want to play rugby because it's history making, you know, two French clubs playing in European, you know, that's, that's something they, they, they should look at too and uh, appreciate that. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Uh, we will all be watching the Champions Cup final with interest on Saturday night and also hoping that if Racing do win, a medal is on its way to Carcassonne. To <laughs> oh, Tim, I'm, I'm, counting, I'm counting on you, know, but actually I don't need one because I think I've got five. Oh, actually, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, actually, Tim, I've got, I've got three gold and uh, two silver. Yeah. Actually, five, yeah. I told yeah. you guys he was a dick. Do not get him out. <laughs> United Viper. Hey, uh, Reggie, are you, are you going to... I'm going too long tomorrow. I'll see you there, buddy. I'll see you yeah, there. Yeah, you better. Yeah, well, I just took... Hey, do you see Ice is starting after six months out? Yeah, yeah. Ice Toyeva just played his first game last week. He told me he was rusty as. He was awesome. <laughs> but uh, I, know, I know Julien Dupli really well, the backs coach. And I'm telling you, they are desperate to have him because he just organized it. He's one of those, he's one of the, I, I think we spoke about it on the, on, the, on the show already. For me, he's one of the most talented rugby players I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. And he he's never talented. says a word apart from when you put him on the rugby field. Well, <laughs> and apart from you put a bottle of wine between Massimi me and yeah, him, okay, yeah, you probably yeah, get a few words. But still, yeah, that, and, and they were desperate to have him there just to league that young Toulon side, the Carbonel and all that. They're just, and Serein, just to calm them down, take them to good decisions, and he's going to be key. I just got off the phone, I was FaceTiming, he's like, who's the semi rata rata? I know, I still have a, you know, I was, I was like, he goes, he goes, don't worry, so I've got this. And I'll be like, bang, next minute, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see him back man but he said to me oh i'm worried about my fitness so i said hey yeah, don't worry about that when you when you get that ball get those hand those ball mate it's another 20 percent of you know energy coming through that um yeah i'm looking forward to the game but i'm going down tomorrow you say that you're going to be there i'm going to be there i'm doing the commentary for the french tv okay i promise you now i hope people are watching this I apologize to you from Dublin in 2013. I will never speak again about 
Champions Cup now. Between me and you, okay? Done. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Enjoy Cheers, the red Matthew. wine with Benji and Toulon and good luck in Carcassonne. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, boys, Cheers, for having Luz. me, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, Thanks, Tony. See you soon. Yeah, see you, mate. Bye. You enjoyed that, didn't you, Benji? Yeah, I, t- I tell you, I didn't want to tell you before the show, but I bumped into him. So three weeks ago, I didn't know that he, so he still has a house in Toulon that he rents out. And obviously Carcassonne, Toulon is a, is a fair bit of driving, but, but, but he still rather, he spends as much time as he can in Toulon in his house. And uh, so I went to, I went to commentate the game. Ice Toyava was injured, but he came to pick me up. You know how it is for lunch, catch up at the center. And then Massey pops up on a FaceTime. He has not changed. Just the same positive, uh, warm, welcoming, genuine dude uh, that I loved. And we got along really well. Our wives got along well in cast and stuff. And he's just, that, that, he, he, to me, honestly, the, the, the reason why he did so well in France and why he's doing so well, it's just his passion. And he's got this thing about him and nothing can, 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 can stop him. And, and he works extraordinarily hard. Like he will party hard, okay, but he's the only guy that I've seen that never, never, ever needs a text from a conditioner or a coach or anything. He will always be doing extras. He, he said, so he mentioned his boxing. He forgot to say, I think his brother, I, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think his brother was world champion at some point or something, got like a major title. So Massey can box. He can box really well. And he was always doing conditioning on top and stuff, but he's just, and always with others, just to bring people up, to bring them up, up their spirit, up their conditioning. Just great dude. Really happy to see him. I, I wish him the, the thorough, absolute best. He's a machine. He was always as well the first guy to ask you into opposition change rooms for a beer or catch you after a game to chat to his opposite 100%. man. No matter where you were from, if you're French, Scottish, Georgian, it didn't matter. Lovely guy. And there's always, I remember arriving at Cast and they still talked about it. So I arrived there in 2014, 15, like, yeah, 2014. And he'd, he'd been away for two, three seasons, but they still... The story that kept going around that, that all the supporters would always say, like when Chris was captain and he didn't quite get the away days, sometimes you would rest your first team. So you'd sort of like protect your home games. Chris, no matter what, he was captain. He'd been main captain. He was like, I want to play every game. You're every not resting game. me. Mm-hmm. There were some weeks where he basically he said that he would like jog around in his training shoes, like in, in basketball shoes on the touchline, purely so he could get ready and play on a, fr- a Friday night or a Saturday, wherever it was, whether it was in Bourgoin or Oriac, wherever it didn't matter. Every game we wanted to front up, wanted to fight, mm. wanted to scrap, and loved it. Total team man and an absolute legend. Amazing to have Chris on. And just before we get your thoughts quickly on the Champions Cup final, um, top 14 last weekend, a few away wins, weren't there? So what, what stood out to you guys? La Rochelle, firstly, they were incredible. So Bayonne came back down to Bayonne with a bump. Um, after winning away on the road at Stade Francais, they um, they got absolutely hosed by La Rochelle. Antonio, Skelton, Victor Vito, they were they were feisty, they were physical, they absolutely beasted Bayonne, who, you know, it's not easy to stick 35, 36, 37 points um, on Bayonne in Bayonne. So hugely impressive result for them. The other hard game to watch, again, was Agen losing at home. They're really, really struggling now. They don't look like they've sort of any sort of cohesion on the pitch they don't know what they're doing it was a big interview with Victor Moreau after the game he just said look we on we are having a crap time on the pitch off the pitch it's crap for the town um, and they are really really struggling yeah Bayonne, Bayonne were really good really impressive beginning of the season just beat Stad in Stad and you're 100% right Johnny La Rochelle really stepping up with my former teammate Dato Girakash really doing a great job with scrum- as a scrummaging coach is he there now coach. 
Yeah, awesome. It's, 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 they haven't highlighted that much, but John O'Gibbs, who is the head coach of, of Clermont, we will speak about it another time because we don't have the time. But for me, one of the most uh, influential coaches in my career in terms of actually technically teaching you things, uh, very Kiwi uh, in his attention to detail, uh, his way of seeing things from an angle, always questioning why, why are you doing this? Why is the pattern in place? Just early brainsy sort of coach, but fantastic coach. And he went to get Dato and Dato is delivering in his scrummaging science with Antonio behind Will Skelton's, probably like 700 kgs. <laughs> with Aldrich, who was playing seven behind that as well. Like, it exactly. Get so you got, you got a piano pushed by uh, a, <laughs> a, a semi-truck and, and with a tree <laughs> behind it. So it's not easy. But yeah, just Ajahn, like I agree with you, Johnny, are, are looking poor. But it was a great win for Stad. Yeah. They desperately needed. They are Huge. shaking at the moment with a lot of financial pressure with uh, Dr. Wild, who's then been proper, probably like the, all the cliches that we've been underlining, sending an email complaining about the team spirit and stuff because he's fed up of chucking all the money. Okay, it's sports. It's not about who's paying the checks. So it's, so it's different. And to be fair, uh, the Bordeaux-Clermont game got called off because of COVID in, in Bordeaux, which is actually the best news that could have happened for Clermont, I reckon, because they're not, they're not ready. Because Urios was angry. Of course he was angry, yeah. It was angry, but you know how it is. That was the recipe for a good game for Bordeaux. You get bollocked all week. You need to win. Clermont a little bit. Huh? Wow. So it's good, good that they managed to do that and they'll go again next week against that. And then the Champions Cup final. So wrestling, Exeter, who's winning it? See, talk us through how it's going to pan out. Uh, so I've got, so it's a tough one. It's a tough one because... I'm not a huge fan of racing, <laughs> and but 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 to be fair, they, they've got that extra magic, that that extra spark that that can make a difference. I do agree with with Masi. Finn, Finn Russell at the moment is just on fire. Vakata was is is a beast. Uh, Kamisha can make a difference. Colombe, the Titan, the young Titan, is just delivering week in week out, and he's really delivering. To me personally, I still think Exeter just a little bit better. They're so powerful. They're so confident. They've got so much composure. I see them just snatching it at the edge. But the fact that it's going to be in Bristol, in an empty stadium, I don't know if it's in favor of anyone, uh, but I just feel somehow it's going to be more in disadvantage for Exeter than for racing. In terms of the the way it's going to pan out, you mentioned the forwards. Is it going to come down basically to that? power battle for all the class of Finn Russell for all Vakatawa is it going to come down to the, the forwards if there's one penalty in the 22 and they start doing pick and goes Finn Russell is not going to do anything Vakatawa is going to be useless so if they have that possession and that possibility but there's that's going to be down to the kicking game quality of Finn Russell as well of the kicking game quality of Teddy Eribaren who's going to have to deliver it's not always easy but Hey, for a final, you don't expect anything else than a very, very tight game. Uh, I think the four dominance of Exeter is just un unrivaled, with Cologne basically surprising me every every weekend, but he's never played the Champions Cup final, so you can't really tell. Uh, I wish them the absolute best. I just see I just see just a tiny advantage for Exeter. I'm the exact same, mate. Um, I think as well when you consider what I was expecting from that extra Toulouse game in the semi-final, the number extra did defensively on Toulouse. So I was expecting Peter Aki, Jerome Kano, you know, go forward ball, bashing boys, and it just didn't happen. Exeter were so good. They put so much pressure on Toulouse that we didn't see Colby, really. We didn't see Intermac firing. They were under so much pressure. So mm. 
I don't think Racing will have played a game, although they've come through a game against Saracens, I don't think they will have played a game against the defence that is as well organised as Exeter. Uh, like Massey touched on, I mean, they're a tight unit. Like Rob Baxter has been working with them for years. They are tight-knit, they are close, they know their systems, they know each other inside out, they back each other, and they're one hell of a team. Um, and that's where, I mean... Ultimately, one piece of magic from Finn and Vakatawa could unlock the whole game and could be a Racing win. But I just, after having seen what Exeter did to Toulouse in that semi-final, I, again, I have a slim advantage for Exeter, 100%. And I think you asked the question, does it make a difference if it's a neutral ground, there's, there's no fans there? I think, yes, it does. I think that also plays into Exeter's favour a little bit. Um, it's a little bit more alien for Racing to go over there somewhere different. They're unfamiliar. So I would say Exeter, again, have a little edge. Um, I know we're a French rugby podcast and we should be backing Racing, but it looks <laughs> like we've both just backed Exeter. Well, maybe there'll be a win for Toulon against Bristol then, yeah? Mate, I, I thought Bristol were going to get it relatively easy because they're very, very impressive to me. And Toulon are still building up. But now the injury list in, uh, for the Bristol side is very, very um, worrying. Uh, Nathan Hughes, um, I think they, they've lost basically uh, a few sort of key guys that really, um, I think, is, is going to cause major, major problems for them. Uh, was it Charles Poutau, Nathan Hughes, uh, and there's four or five like that, that, are, that are important. They still have Radradra, okay. And like we just said, touched on, Toulon are getting Corbin back, the little fullback from Grenoble, who got just a little bit picked for the French team, who's very good. Ice to have at 13. Uh, Itzebeth is back. So they've got a big-ass big pack. They've got a big-ass pack. Etzebeth, Romain Tao, Charles Olivon, Sergio Parisse, uh, Lacafia, uh, back with Ice Toyota. So I actually thought it was going to be Bristol, but now I'm backing Toulon. I'm with you, mate. Um, that's <laughs> it. I think with their big guns coming back, that's it. The, the difference that Eben Estebeth is going to make to their pack, the, the, the go-forward, the ball-carrying, the abrasion that he brings... Then I just think that the grind, like scrum time, the pack weight, malls, I think they're just going to sap them. It might be boring, a boring win, but I think they're going to sap them to death and potentially bully them. That's not what you'd generally say, a pack that's got Kyle Sinclair and boys like that in it. But I just think Toulon, although they haven't really fired to get there, I think that they're going to have too much firepower uh, for Bristol in this final. We're all in agreement. It's like the FFR and the LNR all over again. All agreeing. <laughs> hey! Uh, thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And thanks to all of you for listening as well. Hit subscribe, leave us a review, watch us on YouTube, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir. Cheers, Cheers guys. guys.